We begin today by traveling through time and across the ocean. We start in 17th century England. We take a look at a stern-looking guy in serious need of some sideburn intervention. We listen to his thoughts on the secret to happiness, and we ultimately seek wisdom from sources as varied as an African-American spiritual and the movie The Princess Bride, all on the way to answering the question, what is plantation house theology? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Okay, so I'm surfing the web and checking my social media as I do, and I stumble across a quote accompanied by a black and white photograph of a fellow named J.C. Ryle. Now, I'll tell you up front, I had no idea who this guy was, except that he had a stern look accompanied by some seriously overgrown sideburns that made him appear to be, well, let's just say, less than a warm character. So here's the quote that accompanied his intimidating-looking photograph. Nothing can hurt God's people except and until God permits. We are all immortal until our work is done to realize that nothing happens in the world except by the eternal counsels of our Father and according to His eternal plans is one grand secret of living a calm, peaceful, and contented life. Now, before getting into our discussion, let me tell you a little bit about Mr. J.C. Ryle. He was born into an affluent home in England in 1816. His father was a private banker, and J.C. went to public school, which is what we call private school in the U.S. This public school, private for us, is called Eton. And in case that doesn't immediately ring a bell for you, this is arguably the most elite and exclusive private school, at least in the English-speaking world, how elite, you ask? That's a fair question. They have produced the likes of Ian Fleming, George Orwell, David Cameron, Boris Johnson, and there were two others, two others I wanted to mention too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prince Harry and Prince William both went there as well. Need I say more? After Eton, he attended Oxford, which itself has to be in the top two or three most prestigious universities in the world. He graduated and intended to stand for election in Parliament, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, had to change plans and instead became a priest in the Anglican Church, the Church of England. He later eventually became a bishop in the Church of England. Look, this is, I want to be clear, this is not a pick-on-the-dead-guy-themed podcast. Although... You know, now that I say that, I'm pretty sure a podcast entitled Pick on the Dead Guy would be an absolute runaway hit. Hmm. Oh, well. Evidently, this J.C. Ryle chap was surprisingly nice bloke. Did you notice right there that I just used the word chap and bloke in the same sentence? It was almost like instantly being transported onto the set of Mary Poppins, don't you think? Anyway, he was a nice guy. At least, so they say, and I believe them, whoever they are. But I would argue that the nature of his personal theology that we have seen in our quote for today is more an expression of his own socioeconomic upbringing than it is a reflection of the true nature of God. Now, having said that, you might ask, but is there something inherently wrong with his statement of faith? Is it such a deviation from mainline Christian belief that it stands as being clearly heretical? Well, no. 
when you put it that way. It's pretty mainstream for a lot of Christians. But I would still argue that it is the theology of privilege. I know, there's that troublesome word for a lot of us. Okay, J.C. Ryle likes to think that everything happens in this world according to God's plan. J.C. Ryle lived a good life, a really good life. He was riding high. Surely his life is exactly all of what God intended. Theology is often a reflection of our place and experience as much, well, if not more, than an accurate reflection of our studying, say, Scripture and seeking the true nature of God. Since our quote comes from a man born in 1816, let's look at what, well, what's happening in the world at that time. Do you remember what was still legal in England at this time that we're talking about? In its colonies and of course in the United States as well. Slavery. So let's travel across the pond, as they say, and look at the pre-Civil War American South in order to see an interesting reflection of the world at that time, but also perhaps learn something about ourselves today in the process. In America at that time, Southern plantation owners who oversaw the institution of slavery saw no conflict between their faith and their ownership of fellow creatures of God. Quite to the contrary, they saw the two as wholly compatible, one disturbingly even justifying the other, so much so that many of them taught Christianity to their slaves in hopes that Christianity would help them come to understand that God willed this human-wrought horror to exist. Yeah, there's not going to be any pretending to be objective here. Slavery was horrible and a totally evil creation of humanity, and God had nothing to do with it. This one's all on us. Okay, so the point here is fairly simple. Generally, people who tell me that everything is God's plan are speaking from having received what they need in life and are thankful that God has created such a really good plan. I never have been sitting there with a mother who's just discovered that her child has a horrible, incurable illness and heard her say, you know, Dan, I find strength, joy, happiness, and hope in knowing that my child's suffering in this moment is all a part of God's master plan, that God intended this allows it to be okay with me right now. Nope, I have never heard that. Matter of fact, that mother often draws strength from the notion that God is with her and her child in their pain. She and her child are not alone, and no matter what happens in this life, they will have a joyous and untroubled existence united together again in the life to come. That is, sometime after she asks the obvious question, why the hell did God let this happen to my child? Yeah, it's a multi-step process to get there for obvious reasons. Wait, Dan, perhaps the slaves believed the same thing as the plantation owners did. You don't know. You don't know because you can't ask them. Well, actually, we kind of can. There are lots of old African-American spirituals from this time and around it, and they give a pretty piercing insight into the theology that they believed at that time. For example, let's look at one of the spirituals that came around this time called We'll Understand It Better By and By. The chorus, repeated throughout this song, says, By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of God are gathered home. We'll tell the story of how we've overcome. We'll understand it better by and by. 
Notice there isn't a belief that somehow this is God's plan and isn't that wonderful and it makes us happy in the moment that our suffering is intended by God. I have sung this song many times with the members of the bluegrass band that I used to be a part of. And it's funny because the song has a pretty happy melody, but the melody can mislead you when you hear the song. This verse to me is the words of someone who is saying, this is some pretty messed up stuff stuff we're experiencing. And when we enter the afterlife, we're going to have some serious questions to ask. Look, I get it. Plantation house theology is the tendency to believe that when riding high and our life seems on top of the world, God must have intended it to be this way. I can't tell you how often in my ministry someone in the congregation is diagnosed with lung cancer and then almost every single person who hears the news asks this question. Did Susan or Tyrone or John or Sasha or Pierre or whoever it was that has been diagnosed, did that person smoke? The question should never be asked, but it almost always is because our fear overwhelms our better sense. Please tell me that this suffering is justified and that my not suffering, well, that's part of the intended plan as well. This, too, is part of plantation house theology. Look, we all have a bit of it. It's our need to believe that we are somehow chosen and, by consequence, others are not. I need to have my blessings have meaning. I need for the blessings that I receive in my life to be intended and quietly, again by consequence, the struggles of other people, well, we don't want to say it, but those need to be intended too. You may ask at this point, well, are there people who still believe as Bishop J.C. Ryle did? You bet, lots of them. I just wish in this moment, when we begin to work out our own personal theologies and we look at them, I wish we would all come to grips with a couple of simple things. One, regardless of what your theology is, if you believe in God, then your attempts to work out what that means, what your personal theology is, will always, always lead to some difficulties, some paradoxes. The very things from which you draw comfort may be the very same theology that causes pain to someone else in their particular stage of life. Also, never, never, never tell someone why your theology makes their pain or their struggle less painful or less of a struggle. Look, anytime someone offers you a theology such as J.C. Ryle that ends with this promise, and this is part of what I read to you from his quote, this is the key to a calm, peaceful, and contented life. Anytime someone offers you a theology that says, oh, this is going to make everything always okay, walk away. Just walk away. The life of a follower of God is hard. It can be a struggle. And to quote the Princess Bride, Anyone who says differently is selling something. Love that movie. Anyway, the life of a believer is going to be a struggle. Shoot, the life of someone who doesn't follow God is hard. The life of everyone has some struggles in it. Well, except for perhaps an incalculably small number of people who must statistically exist somewhere for whom life has no hardship. And Anyone who tries to convince you that their faith, their theology, is the secret to life without pain, struggle, or hardship 
is not telling you the truth. Or worse, trying to keep you contented with something that you really should not be contented with. That's all for today. And before you go looking for it, the term plantation house theology is my own. If you find it a little troublesome, a little offensive, yeah, that's the point. It was intended to make us a little uncomfortable. And oh, if you listened to all of this and thought, yeah, tell them, Dan. You know that feeling that I wasn't talking to you, that the real problem resides elsewhere? Yeah, that's plantation house theology too. I encourage you to reach out and let me know what you think. I have also added a video version of this particular episode on YouTube, so if you want to watch that, I invite you to do so. It has pretty much the same content as here. Um, but I'd also love to hear from you if you think I've hit it on the mark, if you think I'm off the mark, if you have a different opinion about this in any way, if you have a question you'd like to ask me, as always, I would love to hear from you. My email address is dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for joining us here today and being part of the SkyPilot Faith Quest community. This is a great place to ask questions you wouldn't feel comfortable or safe asking in other places. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.